Welcome fellow wine lovers, this is the Wine Ghost Podcast. I'm Mate Vosh, a certified sommelier and seeker of hidden stories behind the most mysterious drink in history. For more information or direct contact, please look for the Wine Ghosts on Instagram and Facebook. But now, please grab a glass, get comfortable and listen to how today's ghosts get out of the bottle. The Flüger winery is located in the Pfalz region of Germany, where the Flüger family has been taking care of their precious vineyards around Bad Dürkheim for centuries now. They were proponents of nourishing their treasured land in the most sustainable manner as possible and became organic growers in the mid-80s already, then certified by Dynamic from the vintage 2008. The friendly wine wizard Alex has talked about the climate in the Pfalz region and how it's been changing in recent years about the significance of biodynamic farming and low-intervention winemaking. He also shared his belief about minerality in wine and proved, with an imposing tasting line, why you should look for exceptional reasonings in his portfolio too. We also filmed the last part of our conversation and most of the tasting, so check out the video on IGTV in Instagram or in YouTube. But now, grab that favorite glass of yours and listen to the wizard. Wow. Prost. Prost. <laughs> Prost. Oh, beautiful beginning for the podcast. So, uh, thank you for taking the time. And uh, really, in, we are sitting here in the Flüger Winery. Here is a beautiful weather with a glass of Riesling uh, Bundsteinstein 2019 vintage. And uh, really, thanks for the welcoming and welcome to the show, sir. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today? Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm fine. Um, and uh, I must say I really enjoy the weather. Uh, you were talking about the weather and uh, it's, uh, it's nice that the temperatures are picking up. It's nice that we survived the frost nights. Mm -hmm. um, we really enjoyed uh, a nice rain um, beginning of this week, mm -hmm. 35 liters per square meter. We really needed that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it looks very promising uh, outside. So uh, that is definitely, yeah, uh, for me, very important. So I'm in a good mood, actually. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. I can see this. <laughs> and uh, because we, this is, uh, the recording is May 2nd, uh, um, 16th is the date today? Yeah. 16th, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yesterday we came from Württemberg and there was a little bit of frost damage yes. there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you could avoid it and... No, no frost damage. We yet. have no, we have no frost damage uh, mm -hmm. this year. I mean, that's that's always the danger. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can definitely talk a little bit about climate changing as well and how it affects us. Mm -hmm. um, so everything starts earlier, and uh, let's say the um, the period of time where we can be affected by frost nights mm -hmm. is definitely longer yeah. than it was, uh, let's say, twenty twenty five years ago, because. Uh, the, ve the vegetation, the vineyard starts uh, already beginning of April. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to my father, grandfather, uh, he said uh, uh, vineyard never started before mid of, of April. So we have two more weeks mm -hmm. where we can have frost nights. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, today it's the 16th of May. And uh, so normally we always have uh, the vineyard is, is green mm -hmm. and uh, this is uh, it's very dangerous. We also had full moon okay. um, and uh, so temperatures at this time of the year can go down to minus two, minus three degrees. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, definitely dangerous. 
Yeah, but uh, the last frost we had here was in 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, again, it was not uh, a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. um, I remember 2011, one of my first vintages here at, mm -hmm. on the estate. Uh, everything looked promising and then we had uh, two cold nights and 25% uh, of our production was uh, yeah, affected and was, uh, was gone mm -hmm. uh, within these two nights. So it's always, this is, this is nature yeah. and uh, something that we can, cannot avoid. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And maybe just to, to talk generally about faults and the, the microclimate here, maybe around Bad Durkheim yeah. and the Ovignard area and how is the temperature generally or the climate like? Um, I would definitely say that we have a Mediterranean climate, mm. so um, that means, uh, of course, uh, in winter time we can have some snow, but it's mm -hmm. very, very rare. Mm -hmm. um, temperatures going down to minus five, minus six degrees during winter time, so it's cold, but it's not super frosty. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, in spring and summer we have quite high temperatures, mm -hmm. um, especially in June, July, August, we can have temperatures 30, 35 degrees uh -huh. over weeks. Uh -huh. So uh, it's, it's really warm. Uh -huh. um, and then the, the rain, it's a, bit, it's a bit a problem for us the last 10, 12 years mm -hmm. because we, we don't get uh, enough rain, uh -huh. um, especially this part of Pfalz, mm -hmm. um, around Bad Dürkheim, Deidesheim, Forst. Yeah. Um, we have 500 millimeters of rain per year, which is not a lot. Uh, if you go further south direction, France, Elsass, mm -hmm. uh, so the southern part of Pulse, they have 650 to 700. And if you go again further south to Baden, uh, Freiburg, uh, mm -hmm. this area, they can have 700 um, and more. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is one of the driest uh, areas uh, in whole uh, Germany. And why is that? Um, I mean, we have um, behind us, we have the Palatine Forest, yeah. which is actually connected to the Vosch Mountains in Elsass. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the largest uh, forest uh, areas in Germany. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a rain shadow, you okay. know. Um, so not far from here, if you drive 20 minutes or 15 minutes um, east, mm -hmm. you, will, uh, you will end up in, uh, in an area called uh, Rhein-Neckar mm -hmm. region. Uh, with Mannheim, Ludwigshafen, mm -hmm. so bigger cities, mm -hmm. um, and they have already 100 millimeters more rain. You know, mm -hmm. it's only 20 kilometers from here, uh, but this area is protected from the forest. It, it's 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 good and bad, yeah. you know, because uh, we don't get much rain. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, uh, this forest really regulates our climate, mm -hmm. so we're still able to produce uh, elegant white and red wines, mm -hmm. um, because in the night. Uh, we're talking about nights, uh, the temperature can really drop mm -hmm. and that is regulated by, by the forest. Mm -hmm. So we have warm days and we have cold nights. Uh, so it's a good ripening uh, during the day. Um, but you know that uh, if you have warm nights, the mm -hmm. acidity can drop. Uh, and if you have cold nights, the mm -hmm. acidity stays in, in the wines. And mm -hmm. that uh, yeah, brings us the, this freshness and uh, crispiness. Mm. So it's, uh, I think it's a good, it's a very interesting microclimate uh, in that area. Yeah, true. And it's one of the warmest in, in Germany after Baden, right? Right. Uh -huh. Yeah. But mm -hmm. uh, in, uh, in terms of, maybe if you can just talk about the soil, because we also saw a lot of uh, sandstone, uh, mm -hmm. sandstone uh, buildings. Yeah. 
Yeah. Here also in Badurkheim. So it, this is the primary rock here, would you say? Yes. Uh -huh. um, the main type, the main soil type is sandstones, mm -hmm. variation of sandstones. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we're drinking Riesling Buntsandstein. Uh -huh. This is actually a, a blend of vineyards growing on different um, vineyard sites, but uh, the base is the, the same soil type, Buntsandstein. It means colored sandstones. So we have mainly red and yellow sandstones. Um, that's the main terroir. Um, and it leads to exactly that style or that type of wine. Very, very fresh, very crispy, uh, fruit-driven. Mm. That's, that's exactly describes this uh, wine style. Um, and that makes Pfalz uh, as an area so, um, how to say, so popular. Because we, can, we produce wines like that and that's, that's something people really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, but next to sandstones, uh, we do have a very interesting terroir, uh, limestone and clay. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you go to the neighbor village, Ungstein, mm -hmm. um, there you will find mainly uh, deeper soils, rich soils, a lot mm -hmm. of kalkstones, mm -hmm. limestone, mm -hmm. clay. Um, and all our classified vineyards, uh, Premier Cru or Grand Cru vineyards, or most part of them uh, are located on, on this vineyard sites. Mm -hmm. so, if you want, we can say that uh, with, uh, with the sandstone terroirs, we produce uh, the daily wine, you know, for, mm -hmm. for, uh, for everybody. Um, but if you're looking for more distinctive, more mm -hmm. characterful wines, uh, we also have that, mm -hmm. but it comes from different uh, soil types. Mm -hmm. But we just tried this one, it's a 2019 vintage mm -hmm. and uh, can you talk about this vintage maybe and how does it differ from maybe 18 and 17? Um, so 18 and 19 are, are quite similar I would say. Uh, both vintages have been very very warm and mm -hmm. dry so we actually have the same amount of rain uh, in 18 and in 19 but uh, the difference is uh, that we had rain uh, in 2018, mainly in spring, okay. and, and that was it. Uh -huh. <laughs> so uh, the, the vineyards were really suffering from uh, dryness mm -hmm. in August, September, uh, in combination with quite a high um, um, quantity. Uh, mm -hmm. So 2018, we had a really high yield. Mm -hmm. uh, we were really not prepared for that. Uh -huh. Everybody was really surprised about the, the quantity of, of mm -hmm. grapes and wine mm -hmm. in, from 2018. Um, so in 19, same temperatures, really high and dry, but the rain was, uh, we also had rain in, uh, in July and August and a bit of rain in September. And we had only maybe 50 or 60 percent from the quantity that we had in um, mm -hmm. in 18. So the difference is definitely the the texture, mm -hmm. the concentration, um, also the the fruit, um, and uh, yeah, the aroma uh, mm -hmm. that you get from from the wines. So my my favorite vintage or what I prefer is definitely 19. Uh -huh. The wines are more interesting. Yeah, but also like very rich, like I, I had the first sip maybe, I don't know, two or three minutes ago, mm -hmm. but I can feel, still feel this, but more citrusy flavors, I wouldn't say it's more like this yellow um, yeah. and not into this orange, but really ripe citrusy flavors and really organic yeah. acidity. Yeah. But also this white flowery nose is also there, so this maybe acacia and 
maybe some chamomile. So it's really, but fruity, but kind of fresh acidity. So it's yeah. really, it's really an easy to enjoy and understand wine, but it has its complexity and layers. And, yeah. And fruity aftertaste, so not acidic. Exactly. I mean, it's, this is definitely, this is a wine how I like to drink yeah. my, uh, my wines. It's, it's my style. Um, and uh, again, this is a very low intervention winemaking. Mm. Um, and the secret, everybody's asking me, uh, what, what's, what's the secret of, of, of your wines? Because you're not using aroma yeast, you don't work with enzymes. Uh, what's the secret? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, my answer is uh, the secret lies in the vineyard. And not only in the vineyard, it's also the combination of the vineyards. Mm -hmm. um, so my work or my motivation every year is to, um, to let every vineyard develop its own personality mm -hmm. in combination with terroir and vintage. Mm -hmm. And then we try to find the best moment to pick these grapes. We ferment them separately. That's mm -hmm. very important. So later we can have a look in the, in the cellar. Mm -hmm. So we, we, of course, we have bigger tanks, yeah. but we don't use them for fermentation. We mm -hmm. use them for blends. Um, and the fermentation tanks are small, very small, sometimes only 500 liters. But if we feel that it's worth to do a selection from one vineyard, only 500 liters, mm -hmm. then we do it. You know? And later, these 500 liters in the total blend, mm -hmm. maybe it's only 1% or maybe a half percent, mm. but it can help to bring this little twist, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, that's the knowledge behind the assemblage, or? Exactly, uh, exactly. Um, assemblage is very important. Um, I worked for a, for a while in the south of France, okay. uh, near Montpellier, and uh, of course, I mean, it's, it's, they, they would not like if I say they, they don't have uh, vineyards or terroir. Yeah. Of course, there is terroir, yeah. but the main thing is, uh, is blends. Mm. And uh, the main thing is uh, bringing also grape varietals together. Mm. Um, and this is, this is something, they're, they're really they're professional when it comes to that. And uh, I learned a lot when, when I was there. I can imagine. Very, very exactly. Uh, it was uh, a winery called Chateau de Langaron. Mm -hmm. um, Gré de Montpellier was the appellation, okay. 15 minutes from, from Montpellier. Mm -hmm. yeah. And why exactly did you go there? Uh, that was actually right after my studies okay. and I needed, uh, I needed a bit of uh, um, yeah, deconnection mm -hmm. from, from this area, mm -hmm. uh, from this winery, from my parents and mm -hmm. from all the history that, that we had. So I needed definitely a new horizon in a way. And I thought, okay, I want to, I want to stay in Europe um, because I like the uh, idea of most of the European wineries. Mm -hmm. So they uh, produce wines. They from, uh, or, let, or maybe how to explain that. So they, they don't see the customer. And then they produce the wine back to the vineyard. Mm -hmm. They have a vineyard, they yeah. produce wine, and then they look for customers. Yeah. That's maybe not super professional. And maybe if you go the other way, uh, like most of the new world wineries do, mm -hmm. it's maybe easier. Uh, it's maybe a better, um, or bigger, better success. I don't know. Yeah. But I always preferred the idea that um, let's, let's do something from, from the vineyards and then produce a wine and then see who, who will like that. Yeah. So I wanted to stay in Europe because of that philosophy, but I wanted to, I want, definitely wanted to go to France. Everybody goes to Burgundy mm. uh, and I wanted to go, to go somewhere else in a, in a very dynamic 
region and Languedoc Roussillon mm. uh, is very dynamic. They have nothing to lose. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it feels like or they see themselves as an area where, where a lot of cheap wines are produced. Mm. Uh, but on the other uh, hand, there's a lot of wineries. They take it really serious. They want to produce something special. Mm -hmm. They want to develop the area. Mm. Uh, so very dynamic. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was something that I was interested in mm. at this time. I also asked you because we sit in this kind of uh, wine cathedral, if I may say so. <laughs> and I asked you earlier, which, uh, because I saw a lot of Burgundian bottles here, and you said it's, uh, this is maybe your favorite one, or maybe one of your favorite regions, right? Yeah, Burgundy is from the, when we're talking about the climate, mm. uh, is, is closer to us. Yeah. Um, I, I always uh, say that maybe we have the climate today that Burgundy mm -hmm. had 20 years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I would say um, if we're talking about the climate, Burgundy is closer to us than hmm. Languedoc, uh, okay. uh, Roussillon. And um, yeah, of course, I mean, I've, I've been to Burgundy a couple of times uh, and uh, I also worked in the Maconnet area mm -hmm. uh, right in the beginning of my uh, wine career. Okay. Um, again, that was very inspiring. Um, so I never lost contact to Burgundy and I probably never will. Uh, it's, uh, it's an area that I really like for a couple of things. Uh, first of all, the wines. Uh, I like Pinot, I like Chardonnay, I like that style mm -hmm. of wine. Um, I also enjoy uh, the wines from the Beaujolais area. So mm -hmm. this uh, elegance and uh, yeah, the delicate uh, wines mm. that come from there, I really enjoy that. Um, on the other side, I really have a lot of respect for this area because they never left their, um, they never left uh, where they come from, yeah. you know. So this area definitely has uh, a lot of authenticity, yeah. while here in Germany, that's a bit of a problem in some yeah. areas, you know. We always think that we can produce everything yeah. uh, and we... Uh, Sometimes I feel that we forgot that we have to create um, an identity. Mm -hmm. I would say Mosel still has this identity, yeah. um, but um, Pfalz or Rheinhessen, sometimes it's difficult to say, mm -hmm. what's your identity? Mm -hmm. If you go to Burgundy, it's Pinot and Chardonnay. Yeah. Uh, if you go to Champagne, that's very extreme. It's yeah. sparkling wines, it's Champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you go to the Loire Valley, you have yeah. definitely Sauvignon Blanc, yeah. mainly. Um, so that's what I always liked about the French areas. They always have a uh, focus, identity. Mm. And uh, so for that reason, I have a lot of uh, respect for, for these areas. Hmm. So maybe just to talk about this, uh, what you want to reflect from your uh, vineyard size, because uh, you have also, or you converted your vineyards also to buy dynamic um, farming or biodynamic farming methods mm -hmm. and since 2008 right yeah we uh, so my father actually started mm -hmm. in 1985 mm -hmm. um, working organic mm -hmm. and together uh, from 2001-2002 on we uh, started to apply also biodynamic principles on the winery mm -hmm. and in 2008 we got certified by Demeter. And what was the main motivation behind it? Um, yeah, again, I would say my father had slightly a different motivation than I have today. Mm -hmm. So you have to imagine the 70s or the 80s. Um, I always call it the dark century of German wine. Okay. <laughs> um, 
because everything was everybody was focusing on quantity mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was a lot of mass production mm -hmm. the wines had no character um, if you uh, if you look at the vineyards at this time a lot of monoculture a lot of uh, industrial fertilizer um, herpes seeds mm -hmm. so it was really like uh, only production facilities yeah. and and my father I mean also born on the winery his whole life he spent uh, in win in the vineyards or in agriculture same my grandfather so we always had this connection to mm -hmm. to our farm and to our land um, and at some point we felt like this this something is wrong uh, mm -hmm. at this point something is going in the wrong direction um, so he felt from from inside that uh, instinctively yeah. uh, that uh, he has to change something um, and uh, his idea was to create more biodiversity uh, his idea was to yeah to go back to natural uh, mm -hmm. um, yeah to a more natural approach um, because he wanted to to save uh, the quality the land mm -hmm. Uh, for for the for the following generations, mm -hmm. uh, he saw that we had a lot of problems with erosion. Uh, we had a lot of problems with uh, uh, grape diseases, and they were more they were more intense than in the beginning of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. So he felt that the industrialization of uh, of, of of the vineyards was uh, was something that lead to the wrong direction. Mm. So he, uh, yeah, he started to work organic because of that. He mm -hmm. felt this is a, it's the better way, it's a mm -hmm. more sustainable way. He realized that the qualities, uh, after two, three years, the qualities came back. So the wines were better, <laughs> really better than before. And how would you define it? Sorry to interrupt, but um, it is better. Yeah, I mean, um, we're drinking 2019 yeah. now and we enjoy this, this wine. Um, and uh, he, f for him, it was very important that this wine is also enjoyable in two, three or four years. Mm. So uh, we're talking about aging, uh, how wines age. And he, uh, he uh, experienced that uh, with conventional farming, um, the wines became very... Uh, um, Flat, so they, yeah, flat. So they, they lost the tension mm -hmm. and um, the yeah, they were never, mm -hmm. never that uh, interesting than they were before. So aging process, mm -hmm. one thing. Uh, and the other side, and, and it's, it's the whole balance, the whole harmony, mm -hmm. uh, talking about acidity in the wine. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, of course, if you do an analysis yeah. and you see 7.5 gram acidity, yeah. it tells you nothing, you mm -hmm. know. But... You have to taste this acidity mm -hmm. and he felt that 7.5 gram per liter acidity from a conventional wine tasted much more sharper mm -hmm. and more aggressive mm -hmm. than 7.5 gram acidity in an organic farmed mm -hmm. wine. And I can really, I, I really agree. Yeah. Uh, that's something that we experience every year, uh, especially in vintages like 10, 13, 16, mm -hmm. colder vintages with mm -hmm. higher acidity. Mm -hmm. uh, we never touch the acidity. So there's no deacidification, mm. um, and sometimes we have ten and more, but it doesn't yeah. feel like that. Yeah. The wines have have energy, they, and they yeah. have so much, um, yeah, body 
they can really um, yeah, create this, this balance in the wine. And also maybe extraction, right? Like yeah. I feel that it's, uh, if I drink wines from organic or biodynamic vineyards, I mostly feel more extraction and more mouthfeel, mm -hmm. so to say. So it's not like, it's something like you, if you buy a tomato in the supermarket, yeah. it maybe looks nice, yeah. and maybe you eat it or for one and a, if you are lucky for one and two seconds you have some taste of a tomato yeah. but then it's gone and it's yeah. like a like a balloon <laughs> exactly but yeah. then with the wine it's really you can feel that it's I, I, sometimes i also ask some winemakers if they look at the data like dry extract mm -hmm. in the wines because sometimes i think it would be interesting to, to mm. look at this data like which what kind of minerals may potassium or yeah. this kind of stuff is in the wine because uh, i would suggest or inc i encourage uh, i would encourage to look at this data because i'm not a winemaker but uh, yeah. i have to quantify somehow maybe what i feel like that's yeah. maybe there. <laughs> no but people do that i mean they, yeah. they quantify and then have a look what's the difference between organic mm -hmm. biodynamic and mm -hmm. conventional wines yeah. Uh, talking about yeah the acidity, mm -hmm. uh, talking about the extracts, yeah. the minerals, etc. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you see differences, sometimes not. Yeah. Because the secret to me is not the amount of acidity, etc. Yeah. It's how all these uh, ingredients interact yeah. with sure. each other. Yeah. Uh, so um, hmm. it's sure. it's it's the same with uh, with people. Let's yeah. say you can't judge. Uh, someone, uh, if you look at him only when he's when he's alone, yeah. uh, it's very important to also to see how he or she interacts in yeah. in a group True. and yeah. and what's happening. And um, so so this is a this is a living product, mm. and uh, interaction is is very important. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe just talk about the label because I think it refers to the biodynamic wine making as well, right? <laughs> so I can see a man with a horse. Yeah, yeah, it's actually me. It's okay. actually me uh, with the horse. Um, the the label is is relatively new. Mm. Uh, we changed uh, our label in 2010. Mm -hmm. Before that, we had a very German, old school, okay. traditional label. Uh -huh. A lot of uh, explanations, mm. a lot of signs and stuff. So, um, yeah, my idea was. Uh, the label should be very clean, clear. Mm. Mm. Um, it should tell you something, but uh, yeah, the wine can be complex, not yeah. the label. Yeah, you know, exactly. so we changed that, and um, you know, our last name Pflüger means the plowman, the plower. Mm -hmm. So um, we decided to uh, yeah, to play with that and to put uh, the plowman on the label, mm. and uh, it's now five years ago. Okay. when we uh, we really worked with uh, a horse in one of our vineyards we have mm -hmm. a um, a terrace vineyard mm -hmm. michelsberg it's right behind the house uh -huh. um, and it's 100 percent handwork but uh, five years ago we were able to produce uh, we were able to work for one and a half seasons with uh, the horse it was not our horse okay. uh, we rented the horse <laughs> um, but uh, yeah it was great it was someone was someone here in in the, in the village and he offered mm -hmm. uh, us that he uh, yeah that he can help us with mm -hmm. uh, horse farming and uh, to me that was great i uh, immediately said uh, yes please come over let's see how we can do that and uh, while we uh, while we were farming with the horse we we took some pictures and uh, yeah, that's part of our design. But uh, I think really reflects the, the winemaking and yeah. the philosophy. So 
Exactly. And uh, it's one thing, so the, the, the label tells a story. Mm -hmm. It's kind of eye-catching, I would yeah. say. It's, yeah. uh, it looks nice. Um, and these two things have to come together. Mm. Yeah. And so what are the preparations or what are the biodynamic winemaking or farming methods? Yeah. Um, so to me, the base is always the organic farming. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where we come from. Um, so we avoid monoculture. Uh, that means we, we work with a lot of uh, um, green mm -hmm. uh, cover crops, herbs, mm -hmm. different herbs. Um, we have our own uh, mixture now. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, uh, we, do, um, we bring these cover crops to, the, to our soils uh, mm -hmm. every, every year. So it's a new cement every year. Mm -hmm. um, and that creates biodiversity. That's very, very important. Um, we also respect uh, the environment. So if we have trees, bushes, mm -hmm. uh, if we have sandstone walls, um, all this is part of, uh, of the terroir, mm -hmm. I would say. So we respect that and we keep that. Um, we plant new trees, we plant new, how's that called, biodiverse, uh, biodiversity hotspots. Mm -hmm. okay. you know? So um, <laughs> of also we try to attract birds um, uh, or other animals that belong to this area. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the, and, and here we're talking already about, uh, let's say, a biodynamic approach. Yeah. Um, because biodynamic farming, um, it means that, to me, you, uh, you can intense the connection between your product, mm -hmm. so the wine, mm -hmm. um, and the environment, or terroir, or the terrain, whatever you call it, um, where this wine is, is grown. Mm -hmm. So it's like uh, like you as a person, your environment, the people that surround you, they shape you. Yeah. And it's the same with, with the wine. Mm -hmm. um, and the biodynamic farming really helps to bring these things together. We're talking again about interaction. Mm -hmm. um, so especially the preparation 500, which is the preparation for the soil. Mm. Um, a lot of people say, yeah, it increases the capacity of the soil to, um, to, uh, um, yeah, to save the water mm -hmm. in the soil. Um, it helps to bring nutrition to mm -hmm. the soil, etc., uh, which is all true. Uh, but to me, it also helps to... Um, um, to establish a more intense connection between the plant mm -hmm. and the soil. So that's, that's the main thing um, uh, with the 500. Um, and talking about the 501, uh, the preparation that we um, apply in spring and summer, mm -hmm. uh, this is more, um, let's say, fruit related. Uh, so it, it definitely helps to balance processes in the plant. Mm -hmm. um, it uh, yeah, intenses the fruit character. Um, it harmonizes a lot. That's, that's another thing. If, if we have, let's say, a very dry period or very warm, hot weather, and sometimes the vineyards, they suffer. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, 501 really helps to, to fresh to fresh them up mm -hmm. um, and uh, to balance uh, this, uh, this situation. So to me, the 500 uh, really intenses the relation between mm -hmm. plant and terroir. 
and the 501 makes the vineyard more resilient maybe, more mm. able to handle stress situations. Mm. Um, and this combination um, establishes uh, a system that is very stable uh, and in combination with the biodiversity uh, that we have, um, it, uh, it creates an area where uh, the vines, the vineyard can grow in its, be in its best um, um, shape and also for us it's, it's great to work in, in these spots. Mm. And did you also notice that uh, these wines are more resilient to, to different like powder and mildew or? Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, definitely I can confirm that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean we never have, the last years we never had that intense pressure mm -hmm. on grape diseases. Um, but uh, yeah, I would definitely agree mm -hmm. that the vineyards are more resilient to grape diseases as well. Um, of course, we have to support, you know, we, uh, we apply uh, sulfur and copper mm. um, and, so, and some plant extractions. We try to support mm -hmm. um, our vineyards and, uh, and not to master yeah. our vineyards. And mm -hmm. uh, this, is, this is, by the way, also how we, um, how we see our relations with our customers or with the people mm -hmm. that we working with or mm. that we welcome here for mm. tastings etc yeah. uh, or interviews yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't uh, I don't feel that I have to tell you how uh, the wine industry has to be it's just my opinion mm. um, it's what we experienced and uh, so we're open-minded to new ideas and new uh, suggestions yeah, this is how we live, and this is how we uh, how we uh, want our vineyards. Mm. Express yourself, because only if you do that, uh, the best will come out. Yeah, true. So uh, first, it maybe sounds counterintuitive that, uh, so to say, um, spraying uh, would help to protect the plants, but then, if the vintages or the weather is maybe. Uh, worse than you expected, then the mm. vines could suffer really more damage yeah. than a biodynamic one without the spraying. It's out, first, it sounds counterintuitive, but it uh, in the long run, it it's really like like maybe with the human, right? It's uh, strengthened the immune system somehow of the mm -hmm. plant, or that's what you aim for with this somehow. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, we have to we have to ask why. Uh, why do we have to spray? Why do we have to do plant mm -hmm. protection? What's the reason? <clears throat> is it because, or maybe is it because the, the vines are, are weak? Mm -hmm. And then we have to, uh, we have to ask why? Mm -hmm. what's, what's the reason? And um, so our vineyards, as I said, they grow in an uh, environment that, is, uh, that suits them, mm -hmm. uh, biodiverse. Mm -hmm. um, so, of course, they are more resilient, they are stronger. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same with us, you know. Um, if someone needs to take medicine all the time, mm -hmm. something's wrong. Maybe he should think about uh, his life, mm -hmm. you know, something's wrong with his life, probably. Um, Just as your father did with the vineyard, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, I mean, some, this is something... Um, Sometimes you can't describe. This is something that you feel. No. Um, and uh, another thing that I really enjoy with biodynamic farming is that you are allowed to feel mm -hmm. as well in, in the vineyard. It's not like uh, in conventional uh, farming. 
uh, in January or March, uh, the big uh, chemical companies, they send you a plan mm. uh, how to work in the vineyard this year mm. <laughs> without knowing what's, what's going to happen this year. Mm. Uh, so you're really following a plan, more or less. Uh, in Germany, we say Schema F. Okay. Have you heard about that? No, I didn't. Uh, Schema F means uh, you just copy and paste, copy and paste all the time. Okay. You don't, why F? Uh, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Schema F. I don't know where it comes from. Okay. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a saying for yeah, doing the same all the time mm -hmm. without uh, yeah, taking Thinking. care <laughs> and without... Um, looking what's really uh, what's really needed yeah. at the moment <laughs> and uh, i must say it's a big advantage that uh, our family has been in the winery for more than 200 years now mm -hmm. uh, not always like wine producers but always wine growers okay. um, also farmers so sometimes i feel that yeah we, we, ha we have it inside of us yeah. that we ha we have this connection with our land. We know our land. Some mm. of the vineyards uh, are in the family for yeah, more than 100 years. Mm -hmm. So we, we know what's, what's happening there. So maybe let's talk about the, your specific vineyards and maybe about your GG vines. and Yeah, of course. If you could. And also maybe uh, Michelsberg, which is right behind us, right? Exactly. Yeah. Is this a little chapel or what is this? Or yeah. Chapel. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's uh, St. Michael's Chapel. Okay. Um, it's quite old. Um, uh, let's say the, the vineyard is uh, the vineyard site is quite old. We know that already mm -hmm. in the Middle Ages, uh, people produced wines okay. uh, from from this vineyard site. So it's really old. I mean, you have to know that the Romans brought wine to Germany mm -hmm. two thousand years ago, yeah. and so step by step, uh, a wine culture was established. Mm -hmm. um, and in the Middle Ages, we have one at least one very important uh, um, abbey mm -hmm. um, that took care of the vineyards mm -hmm. while uh, the rest of germany was involved in wars with uh, russia mm -hmm. and france and italy so mm -hmm. i mean there were a lot of wars uh, in the 17th 18th, mm -hmm. 18th century with napoleon etc mm -hmm. so there was a lot of things going on and uh, and the abbeys they really took care Uh, mm. of the vineyards here and they saved the, the wine culture and uh, you know that wine always was very religious mm. especially in the middle ages mm. um, so um, yeah this vineyard was one of the holy places mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and maybe you have heard about this um, how is that called people pilgrims pilgrims yeah. mm -hmm. uh, they walk down to Santiago de Compostela yeah. Uh, it's the St. Jacob's, St. Jake's mm -hmm. uh, Pilgrim's Way. Yeah. Um, and Michelsberg was one, uh, one, stop. one stop on, on that way. I mean, uh, there's not a, I think there's a main way okay. or main route, but there are some places that you can also go. Uh, okay. And Michelsberg was one uh, stop. Um, and uh, there's a very old stone cross on top mm -hmm. of that hill. Um, with this uh, um, shelf, okay. the St. Jake's shelf, as a sign that uh, people passed by here and stopped, stopped by and had a little rest.
Nice. And the, in terms of, so, so it's south facing, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's, uh, it's more riper flavors come out of the wines in general? Or how would you describe um, it? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, uh, Michelsberg is one of the very few vineyards that are facing 100% south mm -hmm. uh, in Pfalz, as we are... Um, as we are located next to the forest yeah. and to the Rhine Valley, uh -huh. uh, most of the vineyard sites are facing east or west. Okay. Uh, you have some vineyards facing south, mm -hmm. but that's rare. Yeah, okay. um, and uh, the special thing with Michelsberg is, of course, you have it's a very warm terroir. You're facing south, mm -hmm. uh, so you get a lot of sun, mm. uh, a lot of ripe flavors. Mm. And you could imagine that um, also the acidity in that wine is a bit lower. Mm -hmm. uh, but the big advantage is that we have, especially in the night, we have winds okay. coming from the forest. Mm -hmm. And so the vineyard can uh, cool. cool down a mm -hmm. little bit during the night. And again, that saves the acidity. Mm -hmm. So it's a really exciting combination of very ripe and rich uh, Riesling flavors. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, on the other hand, you have this nice uh, acidity, so mm. it's, that's really interesting. And then another one is Herrenberg, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. But that's also southeast facing? Right, yeah. Uh, Herrenberg is another Grand Cru site. So mm -hmm. Michelsberg, by the way, is the only Grand Cru site here in Bad Dürkheim. Okay. Um, and Herrenberg is one of, uh, of the two Grand Cru sites in Umstein. Mm -hmm. um, Different microclimate, um, also the soil is richer, mm -hmm. I told you, limestone and clay. Um, and the microclimate is definitely warmer. Um, so you, you don't have the winds, mm -hmm. you don't have the forest, it's very warm also during the night. Then I guess L it's more for reds, right? Uh, yes, it's more, f it, it would be good for reds. Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't find a lot of uh, vineyards uh, planted with red wine varietals. Mm -hmm. uh, we did that now. Um, we have uh, Pinot Noir mm -hmm. now. Um, but of course, from the tradition, we, also, we still have a lot of Riesling. Okay. Yeah. But it's more uh, Burgundian style okay. in Riesling. Oh. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's more powerful. And um, Spielberg? Spielberg is... Um, Spielberg is the, the backside of uh, Michelsberg. Okay. So it's just the neighbor uh, vineyard. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of soil, uh, it's, it's similar, mm -hmm. I would say. It's, it's, you, you already get some limestone and clay, but it's also um, a mixture between sandstones. Mm -hmm. um, but it's facing uh, west, mm -hmm. so direction the forest. Mm -hmm. So it's slightly colder, okay. slightly colder. And uh, to me, um, I mean, we tasted the Buntsandstein yeah. now. To me, Spielberg is, uh, it's the same style. Okay. It's, it's a very, very typical uh, Riesling mm -hmm. um, quality with a lot of tropical fruit and mm -hmm. uh, uh, a lot of crispiness. And that was an estate wine, right? That's our entry level. That's mm -hmm. our estate wine. Mm -hmm. And so you also have, uh, you differentiated with your wines also in terms of colors, right? With the capsule and... Yeah, we have three quality levels actually. Mm -hmm. um, estate wines. Uh, I also sometimes I call them the business card wines. Okay. <laughs> uh, they're very important um, because uh, the price quality relation is mm -hmm. is good, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so a lot of people know us or taste wines from us 
by drinking our estate wines. Mm -hmm. So they're very important. It's the first uh, impression. Yeah. And there's not a second chance for the first impression. <laughs> so important wines for us. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and then we have the village, or um, we also call them the tradition okay. um, uh, wines. Um, these wines are coming from only classified terroirs, mm -hmm. older vineyards, mm -hmm. Uh, made in very traditional style, so we use the big oak barrel mm -hmm. and, uh, of course, spontaneous fermentation. Mm -hmm. um, so these wines give you already uh, an impression of our single vineyards, okay. but still have the, this easy-drinking approach from our estate wines. Mm -hmm. So it's a nice segment, okay. I would say. And, uh, and then our top wines are coming from uh, classified vineyards, Grand Cru or Premier Cru. Mm -hmm. And then the, those have gold green capsules, right? And the um, village yeah. wines have golden gold. They have gold. They have gold capsules. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Nice. But it's good to good to know if you know go to a wine store. I think it's good to <laughs> differentiate. <laughs> yeah, because uh, if I read your labels, they don't. As you said, it's also very minimalistic. Yeah. It's not like a typical German label. So no. It's <laughs> It helps if you know the, the colors as well. So, I don't know. Can, can we taste maybe something from the, of course. From the village? Or? Yeah, of course. Or what do um, you like? I mean, we, uh, we just had a Riesling. Maybe I show you two, three different Rieslings, mm -hmm. two more Rieslings. Um, and then we, we do have some Weissburgunder, Chardonnay, uh, and Pinot Noir, of course. Uh, we oh, should not okay. forget about Pinot Noir which is now more than 30% of our production. Oh. So it's really, okay. really increasing. So you're really going into this Burgundian direction? We try, <laughs> we try. Um, again, I think the, the terroir is perfect. Yeah. Um, the style we're, we're producing is, is nice and the timing is right as mm. well. Um, Pinot Noir from Germany, which is, by the way, the third country in the world mm. producing Pinot Noir. Mm. Um, mm. So it's, it's important. Yeah. And, uh, and at the moment, we really we are attacking our yeah. export markets uh, with uh, with Pinot Noir, and it's super nice. Uh, Appreciated. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's do it. Make a video. About so it. yeah, I think, <laughs> I think we have a plan. Okay. Um, yeah, I have to stop this for a second. Styles to different terroirs. Mm -hmm. Michelsberg is very warm, mm -hmm. uh, facing south, and uh, the wine is, is is very concentrated. Mm -hmm. while Fuchsmantel um, is a bit higher up, mm -hmm. so we are at 280 meters okay. above sea level. Um, so the ripening is later mm -hmm. and then surrounded by the forest, so you can imagine the microclimate is, uh, is slightly colder. Mm -hmm. um, so here you are, we're more on the acidity mm -hmm. side, citrus mm -hmm. uh, notes, uh, it's a bit lighter. Mm -hmm. um, and Michelsberg again, it's, it's, it's concentrated. So it's quite interesting to see uh, these two different wines. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. So now we are back in there with the wine tasting. So now we are with the village wine, village wines. Yeah. Now we are with the single vineyards. Single vineyards. Yeah. Already. Uh, we will uh, we will taste some uh, village or tradition wines uh, with the reds. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I decided to um, to show you two different rieslings from two different vineyard sites. Mm -hmm. um, Fuchsmantel which is classified as a Premier Cru. Mm -hmm. uh, we're tasting this wine now. Mm -hmm. And the next wine will be uh, Michelsberg, which is a Grand Cru site. Mm -hmm.
And how do you decide actually which uh, is it tradition? So this is a Grand Cru or, and this is a Premier Cru or? Um, the classification is close to 200 years old. Um, hmm. The original name is Königlich Preußische Bodenbewertung. Okay. Uh, and it dates back to the beginning of the 19th century. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and this classification is still valid today mm -hmm. um, and it's open to every producer. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you've probably heard about the, the VDP, yeah. uh, Verein Deutscher Prädikatsweingüter, and they started to work after this classification, mm -hmm. I think already in the 90s. Okay. Um, but uh, so today people are coming more and more back to this classification mm -hmm. of uh, terroir mm -hmm. uh, and of course uh, if you own vineyards in classified vineyard sites you can you can use this uh, classification and it makes sense for us uh, I have never been a big fan of uh, Kabinett, Spätlese, Auslese, mm. etc. It, it still confuses yeah. me sometimes. Mm. Uh, I think it's perfect for the Mosel yeah. uh, area, talking about sweet wine production, etc. Mm -hmm. um, that works. But for us in, in our area, with all these different terroirs mm. um, and with the, let's say, mainly dry wines that we produce, mm. for us uh, a classification after vineyard makes much more sense. Mm. Okay, so let's try it. Thanks, Prost. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> yeah, as I uh, said before, Fuchsmantel is a, is a cool climate. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, 280 meters above sea level, surrounded by the forest. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the coolest or coldest mm -hmm. spots, um, which means that the ripening is always a bit later. Uh, we always have a good and very ripe acidity. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it's a bit more exotic, a lot of citrus flavors. Um, we always ferment this wine in stainless steel. Uh, of course, it's a spontaneous fermentation, but stainless steel brings a wine style that is slightly more reductive, yeah. which kind of uh, underlines the character yeah. of the wine. A lot of esters already in the mix. Yeah. And really citric, like almost limey, despite grapefruit. And yeah, exactly but also some underlying, maybe some mintiness. So it's really refreshing already on the nose. It's Absolutely it's refreshing. Um, you can finish the bottle. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not a wine that, uh, <laughs> that is uh, uh, yeah, too over-concentrated or mm. too heavy on alcohol. It's super animating. And we have a tradition uh, in, on Christmas. We always prepare, mm. uh, like in Switzerland, uh, yeah. cheese fondue. Mm -hmm. uh, with, I mean the cheese, fatty cheese, you know, mm -hmm. and you can drink this Fuchsmantel like water. Yeah. Uh, it really <laughs> catches up with, uh, with, with the, the cheese, with uh -huh. the fattiness of the cheese, uh, and it's so fun. Uh, we really enjoy uh, the wine. So, again, that's another uh, thing that, um, of course, you can drink Riesling with cheese, yeah. uh, and especially with cheese fondue or raclette. Things like that. Um, uh, you need a Riesling with a good acidity, ripe acidity, and uh, I think you're you go you're well you're well off with uh, Fuchsmantel. Yeah, it has it. Yeah. And but it's also not just. I mean, it's mostly linear. I think, and um, if you would compare it with the estate wine, so it's mm -hmm. really straightforward wine. Yeah, and not that full-bodied, but has a really long aftertaste and really ripe acidity. So I don't get these greeny flavors. It's really yeah. On, on spot. <laughs> yeah, and it's um, of 
Of course, it's not a wine for beginners. Uh, it's not a wine uh, that maybe pleases uh, everybody mm. uh, because of the acidity, mm. because of this yeah, edges, character, um, call it however you like. Yeah. So there is something uh, that is special. Um, and that, let's say, is the big difference between our estate wines. Mm. Um, they yeah, uh, please a lot of people and they really enjoy that. But our single vineyards, they are a bit more special. Yeah, and, and fine. you have to select your taste. True, and fine, so the corn is in my mouth, so I can feel that it's... Yeah, and also talking to a sommelier, I mean, here we, we are on a, on a level of quality mm. where we definitely need food. Yeah, um, our estate wines, you can drink them by themselves. On the terrace. Uh, on the terrace. <laughs> uh, but the, the single vineyards, I think they're made to combine them with, mm. with food. And, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and cheese is not a bad idea, but also with maybe white cheeses, so maybe not this over, but maybe with Tegan case, it's mm -hmm. a goat cheese, you know, this kind of. I mean, fish is also, it's always, you, you can't yeah. be wrong with fish. Yeah, no. um, we had last week, I think we had, how is that called? A turbot. Yeah. turbot. Mm -hmm. um, and with a bit of salty, salty. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. To give this crusty uh, yeah. um, skin yeah. um, that's that's super nice yeah and also with masculine fishes maybe not that fatty mm -hmm. very nice yeah okay perfect and the next one the next one <laughs> is Michelsberg and in terms of price range where where could we find this wine maybe in a uh, so we sell this wine uh, here on the estate for uh, 14 euros a bottle okay. mm -hmm. So it's not uh, super expensive, I think, for the quality you get, um, for the work we're, we're putting in this wine yeah. and for the whole package, uh, for this tradition, etc. I think it's a, it's a good price. It's a lot of value. Yeah, and handwork and biodynamic farming. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's already knows it has a warmer bouquet and what. Mm -hmm. And really riper fruits on the edge of exotic, maybe. This is one of my favorite vineyards. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough mm -hmm. to say, but uh, the thing mm -hmm. is, in 1980, mm -hmm. um, we planted this vineyard. Mm -hmm. And I was born in 1980, so okay. it, it's my vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> wow, but also really, even maybe riper acidity, maybe not so laser sharp, not this blady sensation mm -hmm. wow but really ripe almost this tangerine or sign or this maya lemon this really riper and yeah you know, deeper flowers and really rich and you wow. can feel a little bit of this minerality True. already so is this, it's, a, it's a problem the phone or no nah. it belongs to the terror i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I think it's gone already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, but how would you maybe define the terroir? Well, the terroir, the minerality, mm -hmm. because uh, I think it's uh, really like a silver line. If it's real or not, or why? Why do you feel it? Which vineyard? Which soil? The minerality. Terroir? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, mineral. It, it always sounds nice uh, if you describe a wine uh, with its uh, minerality, you know, but. Um, not a lot of people really know what minerality really means. Yeah. 
to me, it, minerality has nothing to do with an aroma profile. Mm -hmm. For me, it's, uh, it's a feeling yeah. uh, in your mouth, on your palate, mm -hmm. um, which some, I have the same feeling if I uh, eat a lot of uh, salt or yeah. salty food. Mm -hmm. um, so it creates this mouth-watering Mm -hmm. uh, effect. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really getting hungry yeah. uh, if I if I have a wine with a lot of minerality, and I definitely need food. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we have we have this um, effect mainly from uh, in, in wines that grow on limestone and clay. Mm -hmm. Not so much uh, in wines that we uh, that we have from sandstones, mm -hmm. which is interesting to see. Uh, Fuchsmantel for me was sharper, fresh. Yeah. Yeah. And here you get this minerality, so you feel this, this the, the mouth watering. It also may be more full bodied. For me, this yeah. one is more, it's not really the edges, but more on the mouth, yeah. mouth feel. It, it fills out, fills out your, your yeah. mouth um, without being uh, boring. Yeah. And uh, you're not getting tired. Again, yeah. this yeah. is something that is, stays animating. Yeah, true. Do you also have a tradition what to eat with this wine? Uh, here we don't have a specific tradition like we have with Fuchsmantel. Um, but th this is a wine that we always serve definitely when we have uh, uh, family mm -hmm. uh, around us and, and we, uh, we celebrate. So this is a wine that we, that we use for, for special uh, events. Okay. Um, my wife, you know, she used to work as a chef uh, mm -hmm. in a Michelin star restaurant here okay. in Deidesheim, so she really enjoys to cook. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, with Michelsberg, we we always or we mainly use white meat. Um, she uh, she prepares a very reduced sauce with uh, uh, mushrooms, okay. um, and then and then she she makes uh, her own pasta. Mm. Uh, something like like that. Saltimbocca goes well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, of course you can have this Michelsberg also with uh, a couple of fish uh, dishes, Mediterranean uh, food, but uh, it needs a bit of creaminess also coming from the from the dish. Yeah, I think so. Too. But also it's very versatile, so I could imagine a lot of a lot of food with this, but really on the. Um, I would also go maybe with some gamey, like almost this heavier kind of meat, not only white, so not only this chicken, but maybe also, I don't know, some, maybe some duck or something. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. Some duck breast, you yeah. know, with, uh, with um, um, green beans. Yeah. And uh, we have a potato gratin. So, yeah, you know, we're getting some... hungry now. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> um, some cream fresh, yeah. Yeah. Can we stop for a second please. because there's a client outside and I think he uh, wants yeah, sure. uh, to pick up some wine. Yeah, yeah, I, will help him out. I, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I really I really don't want to disturb if they want to take some wine. Yeah, I'll take. At this point, a customer has suddenly arrived to buy some wine goes from Alex and had our cellar visit soon thereafter. So please excuse for the swift ending. I also tasted a Fluge Pinot Noir together with a Kemetner one from Kamtal. So Check out the video on YouTube or on Instagram if you are interested in my unpleasant encounter with Alex's favorite red grape. If you liked this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and get back to the channel on next Friday to hear from another great biodynamic winemaker, Johan Beurer from Württemberg. But till next Friday, 
Cheers. Mate.